The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Then you can also flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. If you have any questions this morning about our time together, I would encourage you to um, visit with us about them, to have a conversation with us. You can send a text to the number that's on the screen, and then on Tuesday mornings we go online onto Facebook and answer those questions. Uh, we've been talking all month long about what it means for us to participate in the things that God is doing here in our church, here in Scotts Bluff, and we've also given you lots of tools um, so that you can participate in those same, uh, in those same things. The first thing we talked about at the beginning of the month was the way that we love other people. And it's not just people who are part of our church body, but it's people who are in our community. Um, The ones that we encounter every day, the ones we go to school with, we see at the grocery store, the ones we see at work. Um, God loves us unconditionally, and his desire is for us to love them unconditionally. We can't do this on our own. You probably figured that out. You probably figured out that it's really difficult to love people who are difficult to be around. So God gives us his spirit so that we can love them as he would love them. And then the second week, we talked about the importance of the Bible. We talked about the importance of Scripture in our lives. And while it's not the only way that God speaks to us, we'd be foolish to dismiss Scripture as a way that he talks to us. Uh, the Bible has, has survived centuries and centuries of attempts uh, to disrupt the message and to destroy its power. And in many ways, the Bible is our, is our spiritual food and it's our spiritual drink. And we, we don't want to make the mistake that the Israelites made in the Old Testament where we eat of it, where we drink of it, and then we completely uh, disregard it. Um, I've had a few people tell me that they've been, they've been looking at the different resources that we re- recommended on that day. People have bought a few books. Um, I've heard lots of great things about the Dwell app, so I want to just recommend that to you again. Um, if, you have, if you have a smartphone, um, it is well worth your 30 bucks. Um, I'm now about three-quarters of the way through the book of Genesis, and I love listening to it because I'm hearing things, even though I've read Genesis Uh, I don't want to say a million times, but I've read Genesis a lot, and I continue to hear nuances and parts of the text um, that I missed before. So I really just want to recommend um, that to you. And then last week we heard from um, Embrace Grace. We talked about the importance of, of treating people as though they were made in God's image. And I hope you heard that in at least three of the four uh, women that spoke, their means of coming to the Lord— was through people who loved them in the midst of an unplanned pregnancy. People who loved them in the midst of a hardship. Your support through your finances and serving, um, it's changing lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I have two things on my agenda this morning, speaking of agendas. Um, I want to share with you an overview of how we deal with money here at Westway Christian Church. And then I want to talk about um, why we give, how we give, and how much, as Christians, we are called to give. So I'm so, sure you are so thrilled to come on a day where we're going to talk about money um, this morning. 
You're going to find these things in your bulletin on the last page are some, are some sermon notes. Um, Westway's general fund, this is the how we spend money here at Westway portion of this. Westway's general fund um, supports all of the ministries of Westway Christian Church. And we break those funds down into three different ways. So when you give on a Sunday morning, you give to our general fund, that money gets split into three different categories. Um, the first of which is uh, personnel, so that's people. The second of which is operations. That's like the business of our building, keeping the power on, all of those things. And then the third thing that gets, gets bucketed are specific ministries. And, and we want you to know that everything that we do here is ministry-oriented. Okay? That ministry-oriented focus has allowed us to serve our community in lots of different ways. Here are a few. Um, you may or may not know this, but our, our church hosts ESU 13 Monday through Friday here in our building. We host a Head Start program and a Head Start nursery. So part of our general fund goes to supporting a community organization like ESU 13. And see, this hasn't just been good for ESU 13. This has been good for us because it puts us into, into the spotlight. It makes people in our community aware of who we are as a church. And because of that relationship with ESU 13, we've, we've been able to build a few other relationships with organizations in our community that previously we didn't know. Um, one of them is called the Panhandle Partnership. Um, and here in a few months, we're going to host something called the Monument Prevention Coalition, um, which speaks to high school students on the dangers of underage drinking. We're going to host that here in our building. Okay, so when we give to the general fund, you are helping us make a difference in our community by making our building available to people who don't normally come here or people who don't know what we are. Because we want people, like when they hear about the church in general in Scotts Bluff, but certainly when people hear about Westway Christian Church, we want them to have like a good thought about the church. Because we do, the church doesn't always have the best reputation in any community, um, especially in, um, in Scotts Bluff. Um, so here's the second thing I want you to know about our general fund. Um, it's administered in a, a strategic and transparent process by our elders and pastors, by our finance team, and by our ministry team leaders. And here's, here's what that looks like. We've spent the last year um, keeping track of Every dollar, every penny that we spend as ministry team leaders, as pastors. Um, so we have a number of different categories in our budget that we never had before. Um, our finance team meets consistently once a month. And they're right now going through a book that's helping us um, be more, I don't want to say money-focused, because I know what that can sound like, but be, but be more strategic in the way that we spend our money when it comes to budgeting. And one of the things we've done is we've given our pastors and ministry team leaders authority to act and to spend money within our church's mission, vision, values, and preferred culture. We want them to spend money. We want to give them freedom to spend money. We don't want to have 14 different layers for approval. So, for instance, when we, when we needed a new microphone up here, we didn't want to have to get that approved by 12 different people. Right? If we need a new microphone, what do we think we should do about that? We should just buy a microphone. Right? That's how we want to make this process um, smooth. 
And there are lots of people who are being equipped in ways that we've never done, done before. Um, and thinking about this, we're hosting a safe and secure church training in conjunction and cooperation with group publishing down in Loveland here um, in, our, in our building on Saturday, March 28th from 8.30 to 4. You probably heard some things about that. That's not just a Westway Christian church thing. That's available to our entire community. We want people from our community to come because, as we all know, safety and security in church is an issue, is something that we think about. It's something that's on our radar. When we have kids here in our building, we want to make sure that they're safe and secure. When we have adults here in the building, we want to make sure that you're safe and secure. So our church believes in that training so much. We believe in equipping our church body so much that we're paying for people in our church to go. We want people in our church to know what it looks like to have a safe and secure church environment. So when you give to the general fund, you're helping fund that. You are equipping our church body. Because we know there's no money tree in the backyard. It would be really great if there was a money tree in the back. But your generosity is what allows us to have these kinds of things. And then here's the third thing I want you to know about the way we spend money we deal with money here at Westway Christian Church. Um, when you give generously to Westway, you're helping us accomplish the mission that God has given us. You're helping us proclaim Jesus as Lord. Um, this weekend, there are 27 students and adults at Winter Whitewash, and your generosity helps make that happen for some of those students. Your generosity makes it happen for the adults that go, because when we send adults on trips like that, we want to pay for that. We want to give the money so that they don't have to pay for their own trip. Especially this is important when we think about summer events. We think about summer camp or CIY, where we have people who are giving up, in a lot of cases, their vacation week to go on a trip. We don't want them to just give up a vacation week and then, oh, by the way, CIY is $450. We want to pay for our adult leaders to go on these things, and your generosity makes that happen. Um, our small group leaders each get copies of, of different books and materials as we go into uh, small group season, as we get ready to start back up our series. So if you're a small group leader um, here in the room this morning, I need you to catch me today because I have some resources for you. Because we're beginning our, our, or we're continuing our series on the church at Ephesus next week, and we have some resources that we want to give. You, your giving, our giving makes that happen. Um, in March, we're going to pack, and then we're going to pay for 45,000 meals that are going to be distributed by Lifeline Christian Mission. Your generosity makes that happen for us as a church. And over the past month or so, actually it's been the past few months, maybe you've noticed the lights in the back were flickering. Did anyone notice the lights in the back would, would flicker every once in a while? Um, that wasn't intentional, Okay. We weren't trying to trigger anyone with those kind of lights. We had some cards that were, that were out in our electrical room, and it took us a while to figure out what we needed to do to fix those. So we did that. We fixed them. Your generosity allows us to not have flickering lights in the auditorium. Okay? So everything that we do here at Westway Christian Church is because of your generosity to our general fund. So I want to encourage you to be generous. And we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about these things tonight. 
Um, this evening we're having our annual chili cook-off and then our annual meeting. You do not have to be a member to come to our annual meeting. You do have to be a member to vote to affirm our elders, but you don't have to be an elder to come to our annual meeting. So if you want to know a little bit more, like how much money goes into those categories, how much did we spend in those categories, we're going to talk more about that um, this evening. And if you want to be a part of our finance team, I would suggest you talk to either um, Jeff Holloway, Scott Marsh, or Marcia Mearing, because we're looking, just like with all of the different ministry teams that serve here at Westway Christian Church, we're looking to add people to our ministry teams to help us use money more wisely um, to help us meet our mission and our vision um, better than we have before. So that's, that's the first part, is, is how do we spend our money here at Westway Christian Church? Here's the second thing, second thing we're going to talk about. So why do we give? Other than keeping the lights on, which I admit doesn't sound very attractive, right? Other than keeping the lights on, why why do we give? What's the purpose of our money? And I would tell you that if you read throughout the entire Bible, what you'll see is that God is a generous God. We see this in Genesis chapter 1, in fact, in the, in the diverse way that he makes creation. And then I want you to notice in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin, what does God do? He clothes them. They recognize after their sin that they were naked and ashamed. And this generous God didn't just leave them in that position. The generous God clothed them so they would not be naked, so they would not be ashamed. And the Bible is filled with stories of God's generosity. See, we give generously because we're investing in things that last. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when each and every one of us passes away, we are not taking anything with us into the next world. You're not taking anything with you. Everything that you buy today is the stuff of future garage sales. Every single thing that you buy, every single thing that you buy is going to rust, or be eaten by moths, or bought by someone else at a garage sale that your children are having when you pass away. So I want you to ask yourself, if that's truth, and we know it's true, that's truth, we have to ask ourselves, what, what then are we investing in? What are we spending our money on? Are we doing it with things that matter, or that things are just going to end? We give generously because while it's better to give than receive, God doesn't withhold any spiritual blessings from us. God doesn't withhold any spiritual blessings from us. We talked about this back in Ephesians chapter 1. Here are just a few of them. God loved us and chose us from before the world was made. He decided in advance to adopt us, which means he knew exactly what he was getting into with us. I want you to hear that. When God adopted you, when God chose you, even before time, he knew exactly what he was getting into with you. Your sin and my sin did not catch God off guard. He wasn't surprised by it. 
wasn't trying to figure out what he was going to do when you sinned. He adopted you and he chose you before time. He's given us this gift. And, and some of us need to hear that because we, as human beings, can sometimes think, well, God could never love me because I did this thing. If God really knew what I was, he wouldn't forgive me. Listen, God knew what he was getting into when Jesus died for you on the cross. 100%. He knew what you were going to do in advance. And he planned to adopt us anyway. See, God made us free through the blood of his son, Jesus. These are the spiritual gifts that God has given to every single one of us. God is generous. He's given us spiritual blessings. The question I would encourage you to ask is, does your generosity reflect the spiritual blessings that God has given you? We give generously because it, because it encourages thankfulness for us. I don't know about you, but when I get to help people, I love it. I love being in a position to help other people. And not just because I get a good feeling from it, but because it helps me appreciate what God has given me. When I can take something that God has given me and use it for the good of other people, it helps me be thankful for what I have. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about the generosity of that church towards another church and how it encouraged that other church to be more generous. See, when we are generous, it encourages other people to be more generous. It encourages other people to look into our generosity and say, yeah, I I could do that too. In our culture, we call that paying it forward. That's where you get in line at McDonald's and someone pays for your meal and then you feel obligated to pay for the person's meal behind you and that train just never ends. I have friends who hate that. But when people are generous, it encourages us to be generous. And when we recognize that God has been generous to us, it encourages our generosity. So, When others are generous with you, do you pay that forward? Or does the generosity stop with you? What happens when you receive generosity from other people? We give generously because generosity is the response of a grateful heart. See, if I'm not truly thankful for all of the things that God has done for me, for all of the things that God has given me, then I'm going to cling to what I have. I'm going to hold on to it because I don't think that there's enough to go around. But if I'm grateful, if I receive the things that God has given me with a spirit and with an attitude and with a heart of gratefulness, I'm going to demonstrate it by giving it away. By recognizing that the God who is generous, who has given me something, has so much more for me. That's not all that God has given me, so I can give it away. See, our problem as a culture isn't that we don't have a coat. The problem with our culture is the coat that we have is no longer cool to wear. It's no longer in style. So we want to operate from a, from a grateful heart. It's okay to wear last year's clothes. I do it all the time. In the Bible Project series on generosity, you'll find a 
a link to it in your notes that I highly recommend. I know I've talked about the Bible Project a lot. I'm going to continue to talk about the Bible Project. There's a four-part podcast on generosity. I'm three-quarters of the way through it. I've been listening to it all week long. They talk about the difference between a generosity mindset and a scarcity mindset. And here's the reality. We don't, we don't have a resource problem. It's not that there aren't enough resources to go around. The problem is, is we're not generous with what God has given us. The problem is, is many of us are so concerned about hoarding and keeping for ourselves that we cannot be generous. I would strongly recommend that you listen to that podcast, that you find a way um, to do that. We give generously to highlight the wealth that God has given to us in Christ. In Matthew 13, Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven like this. He says, like the discovery of a great pearl, and when it's found, the buyer sold everything in order to buy that pearl. See, God has granted every single one of us the opportunity to take full advantage of what he offers. To take full advantage of these spiritual blessings. And and here's what we need to understand as people who want to receive those spiritual blessings. It's going to cost us everything. It's going to cost us everything to fully receive everything that God is giving us. It's going to cost us everything. But we're not buying it. Salvation isn't something we buy. It's something that we receive. But if I have this cup in my hand and someone wants to give me something else, what do I have to do with this cup? I know, use my other hand. Pretend it has something in it. If I'm going to take something that someone else is giving me, what do I have to do? I have to put this down. I have to set this aside. And this is what God wants for us. He wants to give us things of immeasurable value, of immeasurable worth. And the cost is setting it down, is setting everything down. See, each and every one of us, we decide what we're going to pay for, the dollar amount that we're going to pay, solely based on the value of that item. See, when we purchase something, we make that decision based on what we think it's worth. And I think there are times where Jesus comes along, where God comes along, and he wants to give us things. And we would just rather hold on to our thing because of our perception of that value of what Jesus offers. So how does your generosity reflect the value of Jesus in your own life? Here's the real answer to the why we give. It's because God's generous, so we give to live out that generosity. Our giving is a reflection of who and what we really believe God to be. And the reason that that bothers us so much, the reason that that talks about money in church bother us so much when we hear what God is saying to us, The reason we're offended by it, the reason why some of you are bothered by the fact that we're talking about money today is it's a clash of worldviews. There are two worldviews at stake here. 
And I want to tell you something. If yours isn't God's worldview on money, it's wrong. Your worldview is wrong. My worldview is wrong. Because there's a truth that Jesus is telling us. God is calling us to be generous. Because that's who he is. That's really the way the world works. Maybe not our world, but if you read through the Bible and you see how God operates in generosity, that's how, that's how God's kingdom works is the kingdom of generosity. And the problem is not, there's not enough to go around. The problem is, is we as Christians aren't generous with everything that God has given to us. We had this conversation in our small group the other day. We, we started talking about the image of God, and somehow we ended up by talking about there are only, of all of the different edible plants in the world. So this is going to be a really bizarre comment. You're going to wonder how we got here, okay? You're going to wonder how we got here. Maybe some of you are going to want to come to our small group on Thursday nights because this is what we talk about, okay? There are about 800-ish species of edible plants in the entire world. Humans, humans in North America boil down to about four of them that we eat. That's our main sources of plant life that we eat. Corn, soybeans, rice, and wheat. Those are the, those are the four that's not very generous, is it? God has given us 800 types of foods that we may eat from. And in our hoarding mentality, we've decided that four are enough for us. You should come to our small group. 6.30, that's what we talk about, is weird stuff like that. See, this is why we need the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Because when this worldview clash takes place, when we get bothered by talking about money in church, we want to hoard, we want to keep. We're operating out of a scarcity mindset. John, you don't know because I only have a little bit. There's only so much to go around. See, that's a worldview clash that's taking place. And we need hearts changed I need my heart changed when it comes to generosity. So how do we give? So why? We give because God has been generous to us. Our giving is a reflection of that generosity. So why, how do we give? What practically does that look like? Let's read 1 Corinthians 16, chapter 2. It's a simple verse. It says this, On the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Paul continues, he says, don't wait till I get there and then try to collect it all at once. On the first day of the week, you should put aside a portion of the money you've earned. You'll see three words in your sermon notes next to this, um, the words of the how. Purposeful, planned, and progressive. Purposeful generosity is regular generosity. It's intentional. It's deliberate. 
I'm going to be purposeful with my generosity. Planned generosity is one that's been discussed, is something that's been discussed. So the context for, for my wife and I and for my family and I, when we talk about giving, is we have a conversation about it. We discuss it. How much are we going to give? How often are we going to give? We pray over our generosity. One of the things that Ann and I have had a discussion about is... If we're out and we see someone that has a need, we have an agreement that if she feels like God is calling her to meet that need, then we're just going to do it. And then she'll tell me later or I'll tell her later and like we're just going to be okay with it. Because we want to be generous with what we have. And part of that means I need, we need to plan for that, right? In our culture... Very few people walk around with cash. Maybe some of you have cash on you. There's not a lot of people that do. I don't carry any cash. Which then becomes a problem if I'm going to be generous, right? Because if I run into someone where, where there's a need and I don't have a means to do that, how can, I, how can I follow the leading of God in that situation? So something that I need to do, so this is, this is accountability on my part, something I need to do is I need to carry some, I need to have some cash on me so that when a need arises, I can, I can do it, right? And then I can't use it as a cop-out because I don't have cash. Planned generosity is something that's been discussed. It's been prayed over. One of our newer families here has told me that they sit down with their kids, middle school, high school, and elementary. They actually sit down with their kids and talk about how much money they give as a family. I so recommend and encourage that for you if you have children to talk about your giving. Be specific with them. Because in some ways, your kids have no idea how you spend money. Right? Kids don't have any idea of, of how finances operate. So what if you sat down and you talk with them about your giving? This is how much money we get, and this is how we spend it. This is what we give. See, that's healthy for children to learn. That's something that we did with our kids. We wanted them to know how we were spending money. We wanted them to know how we were giving to the church. So they had an understanding of what it looks like. And here's the third thing. Progressive generosity means that as your income increases, your generosity increases. See, that's what it means when it says it's a portion of the income you've received. That's what that means. It means it's progressive. So when your income increases, your giving increases. Here's the second verse, and this is the uh, second text we're going to talk about. This is 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8. <laughs> you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will, give generous, well, God will generously provide all you need. 
then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Do you see how that's evidence of a generous God and giving us everything we need? And I know some of us right now, we've just jumped to, well, I don't have everything I need. Is that true? I don't know what your kitchen cabinet looks like, but we have cans upon cans upon cans of those same four food groups. Although my wife is doing an amazing job, she actually researched that list and is picking things that aren't on that four list. And then she's going beyond to the 20 list, and she's looking at what are the other, what are the other 780 things that we need to be eating in our house? I want to encourage you to think about the way that God has provided for you. But those elements of, of purposeful, planned, and progressive, they're in this text too. Generosity means, here's what generosity means. Generosity means I'm not scrambling to find my wallet in about 20 minutes when we pass the, when we pass the pouch for offering time. We're going to collect an offering in a few minutes. So if I'm going to be generous with that, if I'm going to be planned, it means I've thought about it. It means I've prayed about it. It means I've talked about it. It means I'm ready. So when that, when that pouch comes by, I know what I'm going to give. It's planned. Generosity means that I'm not sitting here wishing I didn't have to give. Generosity doesn't mean that I'm nervous or I'm anxious about my giving. See, generosity is an indicator of a trusting heart and a joyful spirit. We said this kind of thing to to our kids all the time about all sorts of things when it comes to the Christian faith. You don't have to give. You get to give. You don't have to read your Bible. You get to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You don't have to serve. You get to serve. You don't have to go to church on Sundays. You get to. See, that's a completely different mindset for us. We get to be a part of something amazing when we give generously. We get to be a part of what God is doing when we give generously. So so maybe for some of us, the why isn't the problem. We understand why we should give. Maybe for some of us, the how isn't the problem. These things make sense. Planned, progressive, purposeful, that makes sense. So here's the last question. How much? How much? How much should I give? If you were to talk to our church leaders, you would find a variety of opinion on this matter amongst our church leaders. We've had some really great conversations about giving as a leadership group. See, some people believe in the tithe, okay? And here's what tithes means. Tithe means 10%. So I want to encourage you, as, as you think about your giving, we sometimes refer that as we're, we're taking tithes and offerings. Unless you're giving 10% or more, I want to challenge you, don't use the word tithe. Because if you're not giving 10%, you're not tithing. If you're not giving more than 10%, you're not tithing. 
In the Old Testament, 10% was the baseline. That was the, that was the bare minimum. And if, if you were to read through the Old Testament books, the initial, the big five, the first five books of the Old Testament, what you'd see is there was all sorts of additional payments and taxes and giving and all sorts of things that they were supposed to be doing. And I've read, every, I've read that the actual giving for an Old Testament Jew was somewhere between 25 and 30% of what they actually, um, of what their actual income was. Um, whether that was finances or grain or animals. So it was like 25 to 30%. So some people believe that the tithe is the standard. Others will dig deeply into those texts that I shared a few minutes ago. It's personal, it's between them and God, and it's different for everyone. As Anne and I looked at our own giving many years ago, Here's what we discovered. We weren't being generous. We just weren't being generous. We certainly weren't anywhere close to 10%. We certainly weren't at a tithe. But we certainly weren't being generous. At its best, our giving was like leftovers. We paid our bills. We bought whatever we wanted to buy. And then whatever was left over... Some weeks that was more, other weeks that was less than we would give. Like that was our, at its best, we were leftover givers. But at its worst, it was like, it was like giving God a tip. Whenever God did a good job that week, we, we gave more. Whenever, whenever the service went well, we gave more. Whenever they played the songs that we liked, we gave more. But when the service was lousy or, or, or maybe if we didn't like the music that week or, or the sermon was bad, and, and I wonder for, for, for how many of us is that not our mindset? We're either giving at its best, we're giving, we're giving the leftovers, or we're giving God a tip. And sometimes... My giving was a payment. I thought I was buying God off. I would donate things to the church because I knew that my life really didn't match what God wanted me to do. So I would donate to the church. It was a means for me to have a clear conscience, which doesn't work, by the way. So if you're, if you're thinking that, that I can just give money to the church and I can, I can ease my guilt, it doesn't happen that way. So how much do we give? What, is, what does God want from us when it comes to giving? The answer is in your notes, and it's going to be one you don't like. Everything. God wants Everything from us. God wants everything from us. Because part of the issue is when we divide between God's 90% and my 10%, or between, excuse me, backwards, wouldn't that be nice? When we divide between God's 10% and my 90%, once we've made our 10% pay, like, we just get to keep the rest, right? Right? No one else gets to tell me how to spend my money because I've already given God his 10%. The rest is mine, so now I can just do what I went with it. Spend it how I like. 
do whatever I want with my finances. But here's, but here's the reality. 1 Timothy 6.17 says that God gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. And since it's all from him, it's all for him. See, God has given us, he's been generous with us so that we would find enjoyment in life. And because it's all from him, it's all for him. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul, Paul says that since it's all from him, why would we act like he didn't give it to us? Why would we pretend like it wasn't a gift? See, what we have been given from God, whether it's finances or spiritual gifts or talents or skills, any of those things, it's not for us. It's for God. God has given us these things for himself, but he's also given us these things for one another as a church. This is especially important when it comes to gifts and talents and skills. He's given us things for ourselves. That's the heart of 1 Peter 4.10. And see, when, when we do everything that we do to honor God, what that means is the house that we buy or the apartment that we rent, it's meant to be used to honor God. That's, that's what that means. It means I honor God with the things that I have. When we bought our house a couple years ago, we specifically looked for a few things. Are we able to host a small group here? Because we want a living room that's big enough to be able to host a small group. If people want to stand around in our kitchen for 45 minutes when small group is over, which they do every week, if they want to stand around in our kitchen, are they going to feel welcome to be able to do that? Are the things that we're buying, are they being used for God's kingdom? Are we willing to use this space when missionaries come to visit? See, this is a kingdom-oriented mindset for us. Because it's not about us. It's about using the gifts that God has given us for the benefit of other people. Or, is my house just about us asserting ourselves in our culture and having a nice house? Having a bigger house? Because that's the culture's worldview. That's the cultural narrative in which each one of us lives in. All of our advertising is telling us, buy for yourself, do this for yourself, accumulate for yourself. That's this clash of worldviews. So how much should we give? We should give all of it. We should give everything that we have to God. See, the reality is for some people, $10 a week is, is a backbreaker for them. For some people, $10 a week, like, that is such an impossible thing. But for other people, $500 a month, it's not even close to generosity. It doesn't come anywhere near Generosity. And what God is calling us to is generosity. I would submit he's not calling us to a percentage. He's calling us to give everything. He's calling us to be generous. He's calling us to be planned and purposeful in our giving. 
He wants us to make decisions based on the blessings that he has given us. And we have a generous God who has generously given us all of himself. And my generosity in return ought to be a reflection of that. And I pray that yours will too. As you think about your generosity, does it reflect accurately what God has given you? Let's pray. God, I pray that we would be overwhelmed by how much Christ has given to us. I pray that we would give cheerfully, not out of guilt or obligation. I pray that we would be wise in how much we decide to give. I pray that we would give regularly, deliberately, and proportionately. God, I pray that we would gladly exchange what the world values and give up what the world values in order to take hold of what you value. God, I pray that our church would be wise in how we steward our gifts. God, I pray that our generosity would be known, our congregation would be known for its generosity. I pray that our giving would, would show God, would reveal God to be good and delightful and generous. And I pray that, that you would bring to, to fruition the hopes that we have for our church budget, for everything that we put into our church budget. God, we pray that you would bring those hopes true and they would be guided by you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.